and welcome back to Black Oak Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for another episode of Foundation. This is Season 1, Episode 7, Mysteries and Martyrs. This episode was written by Caitlin Saunders, directed by Jennifer Fung. I gave this episode a 9.8 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. We finally got some answers we've been speculating about for quite some time now. I'm back on my Raish plus Gale equals Salvor <laughs> theory. And uh, I can't wait to see how the rest of this season unfolds. This is definitely one of the better shows that have come out of 2021. I'm not even going to listen to the naysayers. I am thoroughly enjoying myself. So we start this episode with Salvar and Hugo. They reach the Anther Belt. Her father used to tell her about this place, stories, which reminds us of her fresh loss. Hugo used to mine palladium, palladium from equipment thespians left behind. We're not getting much of what happened to the thespians on their side. We have the Anacreans, their revenge, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of talk about how the thespians which i can't help but think maybe similarly like i'm really still surprised that they're mortal enemies but i guess one event does not circumvent (laughs) the hatred that exists between the two kinds like this one thing wouldn't possibly cause them to to match up i was having an off offline conversation with a friend about that like, well, think about how many, how long it's been since some southern, you know, Caucasian people since slavery. And they're still hung up on this thing. And it's been how many generations later? My argument, it hasn't been that many generations later. But it actually helped prove their point. <laughs> that was my comeback. But, uh, yeah, so... I could see that if it was maybe another 100 years that the Empire might be able to, or not the Empire, the Outer Planets might be able to put aside their their differences to focus on a new enemy, a common enemy. Turns out their industry crumbled without the tech from the Empire, which is why he turned to long hauling to begin with. I like this explanation too of how important the technology is and what that means for the empire. Like it has this advantage because of this certain technological advance, particularly in the jump drive we find out later. But from what I understand from the last uh, Insider podcast, the official podcast, from foundation the showrunner is saying that the luminism that particular religion does have their own access so it's not as if they're only keeping their technology within the realm like they're spreading it out to help other societies but it is something that they can taketh or giveth and taketh away while they're having this conversation Farrah comes in to ruin their tender moment by accusing Hugo of abandoning his people when he makes it clear it was one less mouth to feed like why am I gonna fight over the scrapes of a planet 
instead of just making my own way out in the world and why am i holding on to an existence like i can see if you were in a more leadership position the way in which pharaoh like you are descended from but unless they're gonna pull out a hugo is the son of <laughs> i think that that is a fairly rational that's not abandoning your people that is trying to eck out an existence due to the due to the apocalyptic event that occurred on my world and why are you ear hustling anyway from that distance there are a few things and a few setups in this episode that they've been hinting at a little bit but i see it more clearly unfolding in this particular episode i mean i've mentioned it previously but Ferris temper and her completely destructive nature at this point it seems as if all of her team we finally got her second in command name this episode because i wrote it down somewhere in these notes but i don't i think that her vision may be may come into conflict at some point with the anacreans future because if you have nothing to lose sure but maybe you get something you have something that you might gain for your own people Farrah is thrilled to see the Invictus ship here since the ship has been missing for 700 years. The commander points out, look, the Empire will kill the entire outer reach to protect jump ship technology falling into hands that are not theirs. Not to mention what caused it to go dark in the first place. No one's asking that question. And why no distress calls? Apparently they knew something that we didn't. The commander shows his nanobots for healing, which we see that the Empire Dawn himself has. Apparently they all do. As well as identification, and this will help him access the ship that still has defense systems online, which explains why two Anacreon ships failed acquiring it beforehand and why they took their plan to the next level. With her explaining a little bit later that it was two weeks ago that they've been trying to attempt to get this ship after it jumped in and their awareness of the fact that it is jumping in and out of space it feels more as if this wasn't a long thought out plan from inception to where they are right now but it a split minute decision of fuck it this is the best chance we're gonna get at our revenge and Farrah intends to take it no matter what everyone is put in their suits with Salvar helping Hugo still thinking of a way to thwart Farrah seeing as they don't want to explode Trantor like her saying it in this episode was a lot of affirmation of things that we had already been speculating I think I mentioned that earlier Commander states that he has a neural link that records everything. This seems to be helpful if it's retrieved because it exonerates the foundation of any wrongdoing. I feel as if it was mentioned for a particular reason. With both intent on getting close to a comm to send a message to the Empire, both Salvor and the Commander. I think if you're a part of the army that makes sense that the empire would share their because cutting him and showing that it automatically repairs itself that's pretty awesome to have 
And it also means that you're a slave to the empire. Hugo gives her a kiss and she holds his hand wondering if he knows how to do this jump thing. Never love her. I think that this whole, from the moment he stared at Salgor, it looked as if there was something he was wanting to tell her and instead decided to kiss her. I think that he had his own plan in mind, but he knew he couldn't tell her about it otherwise like he needed Farah to be focused on her and not Hugo as a threat which is interesting because that's exactly what Farah is doing and missing out on the fact that hey there's uh there happens to be this mining equipment just out here left over from the times in which we used to mine these particular rocks that he clearly has a whole bunch of experience with they are also told if they miss the inner ring, they will be lost, which comes into play when seemingly we lose Higo once again. Why the fuck you dying? Why you always dying? Oh my god, stop fucking dying. This is the second time Hugo has flirted with death, but as I stated, if he pops up and is like, yeah, I'm sorry, lover, I couldn't tell you the plan because I needed A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I think that just shows that they're a power couple. <laughs> I shipped them so hard. Farrah, did you need to push her? Because you are a bitch. I thought that was really reckless of someone that you need to be like, I want to be an asshole today. I don't know why she feels. Oh, well, I guess she did blow up her ships. But come on, man. I feel like it's more <laughs> petty than that. I mean, if you need her to land so that she can do something to assist in this particular mission would you not just just let the shit play out then you can have your little revenge fest it's the same thing later on with the commander it's like i don't i would think i would make sure i absolutely do not need someone before i decide i should kill them which leads me back to hugo I think that he could possibly, if his jetpack was, which that's the thing, it didn't seem naturally like he didn't make it. It seemed as if he just didn't turn his, and he made a, like my thing is not working. Like he made it clear there was a reason why he did not land, which is why no one would think twice about him, but say he's, say he is monitoring you know how shit is going down he can see that floating commander body and decide to take it over to you know one of those discarded i'm just throwing out theories <laughs> i just feel like those two things coincided for a reason i understand why he doesn't show himself to be thespian i just realized because it probably costs so much money to digitalize those eyes that very blue they're like yeah we're not spending all that money on that <laughs> one effect we're gonna come up with a really good reason why he doesn't turn it on he's under the radar but yeah i want to see those baby blues again is where i think i'm going with that conversation or that sidebar they all land and as we stated earlier hugo misses farah tells Sabor to swallow her grief back on maiden where things are getting spicy day is still shooketh by unfolding events Demerzel tries to affirm her loyalty to the empire by also 
well, she does affirm her loyalty. Like, I place you above everyone else. But if I had not knelt, then I would not be adhering to my faith, which he still doesn't comprehend her having since she herself is a robot and thus as soulless as him. This definitely struck a nerve. I think that his need to get past his fear is causing him to be far more reckless. I also feel he might be going through a crisis of faith himself. You know, he was there. He was at the beginning when he saw the prophet. He watched his own self do things that are now coming back to bite him, his empire, within his own time sphere, right? Then he has this very formidable opponent who isn't placated and has struck a nerve by stating that he is soulless. Halima's words, I think, are still resonating with him. And he's trying to reconcile this idea that he's not a soulless monster or creature. What did he state uh, the exact words? Something about, or she, she said she was kneeling to the mother. And he has a line, oh, mother, the motherless, like the motherless atrocity that I am. There's some, I think there's some hurt there. There's some exposure to the truth that whether he likes it or wants to admit it or not, he can see. I think this is all very fascinating character work. It's, it's why it continues to be some of the most uh, exciting aspects of the episode. Because there's a lot of deep questions being asked here. Because... Thinking about it, if Demrazel, who is also, according to this religion, soulless, then why is it that she believes? Which I think is what leads to his other question of, did you want to kneel? Despite the fact that you're saying you had to because of your religion, but where are you in that religion? He threatens to expose her true self to Halima due to her staggering betrayal in his eyes, despite her stating that she doesn't agree with that particular betrayal, because she puts the empire above all else. And he continues to bring up her programming, which if you've watched anything about Westworld, <laughs> you know, part of the whole consciousness aspect is the fact that you you, you're off your loop. You no longer follow just what you're programmed to follow. Her faith contradicts what he understands that she should be able to do. And I think that that is starting to reflect on how he views his own self. Now, seeing where he is at episode seven, I'm going to take back my idea that he himself will embrace the faith. I don't know. It depends on how episode 8 goes. But I'm telling you this much. If he's not the Cleon that accepts his fate, faith. I do believe somewhere down the line. There will be a Cleon that does. And my guess is. If there is a intergalactic religious war. Which it kind of feels like that's the next step. That's going <laughs> to roll in. We all know about our holy wars. But in this case. For most religious wars, while that's not 
you know, I'm thinking about a religious war in the idea of power, but there doesn't seem to be a need for power with Halima. She knows she can flex it if she needs to, but she didn't say the empire must fall or these people are heretics in the sense of you yourself innately at your core is not uh you don't have a soul because you weren't born you were made just very fascinating things to to ask oneself and then ask once again how is it that Demrazel believes in this where's the tipping point and i think we're gonna find out but she says that if my religion were going against the empire then i would physically not be able to have kneeled I'm loyal above all else to the empires. All that she can, all that she can say, and I think she does believe that, and she lives into that. But there is a part of her that the empire does not have, and I think that also, especially since David S. Goyer gonna say that apparently Demerzel and the Dayclions be having sex. I was hoping they wouldn't go there. We have, I haven't seen really much indication of it in the show other than which the showrunner also confirmed they fall in love with her in the dust period. But it kind of feels like that's it's a sad reality for both parties, right? Because you're falling in love with the one that was there <laughs> through everything. And then she is watching or, or she's bringing forth and bringing into the world a, a child a son and then that son then sexualizes his mother which if you're reading freud that that's <laughs> his philosophy and then he falls in love just when his mortality is hitting him and she cannot herself be mortal to even you know die off together with someone that she's so what's the word devoted to and i think she is devoted to the empire but there is some part of her that part of her that says that told dawn i didn't ki or like they weren't wiped out they were murdered by your people like there is some semblance before she became dedicated or programmed for the empire where she might have had her own at least mental agency and i think maybe that's where her religion comes into play because she's still coveting that somewhere in her psyche because maybe she does believe she has a soul i don't know it's just really i, I want a whole episode of just hearing demerzel explain and I think we might get that because I saw briefly in the trailer for the beginning of the season, there was a scene with Halima and Demerzel. So I think while the Empire is off doing his thing, they might actually have a real conversation, which is nice because these are two women that are of the same faith. Empire is updated that Halima is the front runner as her speech struck a chord and he needs to find a way or find out what she actually wants from him i thought that was an interesting word choice as if there must be something i can give to placate you because there's no other world in which 
that's not a, a reality for him because he's very unfamiliar with religion because he himself has never especially when you learn a little bit later on with uh the current dawn how isolated their lives are so this is his first taste of real like real challenge real um coming up get something that he can himself cannot control an uncontrollable factor variable that he himself is, is i think questioning despite all of the arrogance and the facade he puts before everyone i think that it is striking some according within him they venture down into the salt palace where the wounded are being attended to in tents that have walked the great spiral men are blind people are blistering something demrazel attempted to do he finds out in the tent once again making cleon's head turn who the fuck are you man i love this scene this was just as invigorating as her speech at the funeral because halima is not expecting him to come down here and talk to her with any true understanding of who she is and what she stands for which is why she disrespectfully calls him cleon even when demrazel's like that's not what you're supposed to call him she continues to do so disregarding protocol she knows that he's been coached about her religion instead of having an actual interest he even grabs one of the disciples who's blind but he holds on to him and he's like that's enough <laughs> human person like he's not used to being touched he's not used to being needed he's not used to doing all the things he is himself in essence a thing an object an idea and not a person and that's fucked up that's a fucked up realization to come to and i think that poor dawn already has come to that conclusion just because he already is different but i think that cleon himself might be coming to said conclusion or at least feeling threatened enough by it that it's going to cause him to spiral because he still has to grow old if he makes it past this uh which that's a whole nother talk we'll get there in a minute he called the people trying to reach the mother womb all holy deaths <laughs> i loved her look when he said that <laughs> like shut up talking about something you know nothing about it's not holy deaths this is an experience this is means so much more than you could ever understand i don't need you coming down here with brides because she's like well, i don't even know what you're talking about <laughs> you're talking to me like i expect like the same conversation he had with the other zephyr right she was very clearly open to being bride he even goes so far as to say look i admire your your tactics you've managed to put me in a position and here we here we are what do you want and she says well that's your problem this is not political maneuvering it's something i actually believe in and he i mean and she isn't surprised that he doesn't understand as he is the result of what did she say she dragged the shit out of him <laughs> but i love the fact that she's dragging him but she's not like she doesn't feel unsympathetic she just knows that you are an incarnation of what was made of you and thus 
you're not to blame here but you are the problem the empire itself is the problem i think actually by calling them cleon is more respectful even though she was doing it to be disrespectful because he's bothered by it because she at least is addressing a person and she brings up that you're an aberration of one man's ego she wants the same thing the late harry selden wanted an end to the genetic dynasty as she believes it will be the ruin of all of them she doesn't claim to see the future and this is something that cleon has a had accused harry during the trial right like oh you think you can see the future now or maybe that was one of the his minions and she says the same thing like no i can't <laughs> see the future but i'm telling you right now she can only speak to what's true and what she knows is wrong and somewhere deep in the whole cleon idea because we heard it with dusk when he went down to see what was happening at the end of his life but there is the capacity to understand that because he said the exact same thing this feels wrong <laughs> um and the biggest argument to the uh the idea of this genetic dynasty needed to continue the empire is that the empire existed thousands of thousands of years before cleon the first so the idea that it would fall without him is definitely an egotistical type of thing like my legacy will live on and on and on there will be no one after me to possibly do better like i built the star bridge i didn't get to see it but my clones will see it and even he was resentful of that so yeah it is one man's there's a lot of talk of gods in this episode i think he said you bow to a demigod and then you have the empire himself uh cleon from his exception decided that he wanted to surpass death he wanted to be god by creating the, his legacy of genetic clones and then you have harry selden this episode being told by gail you're not a god and he's like eh. <laughs> if i have the knowledge of so much and I, i'm maneuvering things in such a way I mean, those are some of the most basic things of godlike figures. He tells her that he's sorry that she believes in what she believes, but will shout it into the void because no one will hear her. She knows that he's prostrating because I have influence. People are listening and you fear it, which is why your ass is down here. It's greater than him and he's confused, but then she very dismissively says your advisor will help you understand because she got shit to do Later, bitch, get fucked. back on invictus lewis dumbass sets off the defenses because he don't know not to put as much space between him and the next person fucking lewis but commander makes it to the door to let them in and stop the gunfire bringing down the defense system Farah executes him saying he served his purpose but i still think that was a ignorant move salvor is cuffed as the others find the regulation panel amongst all the dead bodies atmosphere is restored so they can ditch the suits 
I don't know if I would have taken off like my helmet, sure, but even so, <laughs> I was thinking about to the expanse. Hey, you got oxygen. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep this on. Noticing the lights seem to be part of a countdown, Lewis begins to suspect that that might have something to do with the fact that this ship has been lost for so very long. It's Sauber who puts it together because both Farah and her second are not surprised by this information. That the crew lost control because you have to manually put in coordinates or something. And the ship had been jumping randomly marooning said crew until they turned on each other. Starving to death as she sees a dead child. Because they were out of comms reach. I wonder how long ago this was. I can't remember. They might have said. Because I'm thinking if you have. What did they call them? Relays. Boat booyahs. <laughs> booyahs. <laughs> but yeah, how. Where is the limit of the communication from. The, well I guess if you. You know jump into a fucking black hole. I can't predict everywhere in the world. Just where humans are populated. Farrah tells her now she understands the gravity of the situation because they have four hours to get in control of the ship or they will all die. Under pressure. Under pressure. I swear I could watch Lee Pace all day. Everything he does is it's just mesmerizing. <laughs> and I haven't watched much of his work. And I will say I need to get into it because he has a very unique way of reacting to things and just some of his I think are natural quirks that he brings to his acting just very mesmerizing to watch so he asked him Rizelle, what about your feelings now bitch threatened me <laughs> you're supposed to put me above others she agrees to increase the defense around the the castle about the not the castle the palace but that's other people and to play you know defense against halima like we'll just um what's the word censor her message out in the universe so people won't pick him up, up on it more but he's like nah i ain't playing defense i'm playing offense and he goes out and announces to everyone in the palace that he intends to walk the spiral to appeal to the triple goddesses themselves to prove who is right and who is wrong with a very smug smile. This is the same motherfucker that don't dress himself. So while that smug smile who's never had hardship a day in his life has never even lived outside of the palace it's like i'm gonna go walk this spiral that all these other people who are deeply devoutly religious will walk and still come back fucked up if not blind now i will say the only thing he has in his favor not only thing because there's demrazel too but the nanobites in his blood maybe that will protect him in some capacity i can't help but think that he wins this round i think that this religion is insurmountable especially if halima i think it boils down at that point of taking out your enemy but i know that he can't take her out i think that's the problem <laughs> or maybe he feels that demrazel can take her out 
because she is um you know wouldn't i don't know i don't know but i feel like whatever his strategy is here it's not going to be i appealed to the goddesses and they thought that i was worthy and now everything's back to normal and this other person because once a, an idea starts it, it doesn't take much to start festering it people go underground even if they were to put zephyr the other chick i don't even remember her name she's standing around looking lost um they, you know helena would still be a reasonable threat if she were to still preach her her ideas i don't know i this is because i don't know where it could possibly go is the the part that's keeping me on the edge of my seat and can't wait till next episode but i just find it i will be very surprised and without the realm of possibility that he's going to come back from the spiral and everything's just going to be fine and settled like this whole thing feels way bigger than him being able to um be able to do some you know i'm going to do a walk and that's all i'm going to need to prove myself like i feel as if halima is smart enough to have a play waiting for him when he comes back like oh you didn't die that's unfortunate well just so you know <laughs> invictus uh chapter 16 verse 25 clones still are not worthy <laughs> but i think that this experience might do something today that might cause some cognitive dissonance that to me is more of a play that i would want the show to make than he gets one up on his enemy because that smug smile just it it begs to be wiped off of his face right meanwhile in trantor dawn continues his illicit secret affair with azora i finally found out her name she gives him adhesives after they make love for the first time so you know she got him good good so that he can see colors even in his own privacy but he declines and says look it, it's way more complicated than you think it's not even just i'm colorblind everything and i'm glad that they went into more because i was thinking the same thing I'm like colorblindness doesn't seem as if it's the worst thing in the world especially with the technology like can't we just do some corrective surgery but that's the whole idea cleon wants an exact replica of who he was not who he could be not who he can develop into over time learning from all of the experience from the ones that came before him no they're he i mean damn he really the more and more i think about it the more and more the empire feels like a prison and it makes me wonder one is this the first anomaly in all of the years they've been doing this cloning two because it can turn out the fact that they have backups makes me feel like no this isn't the first time secondly how much is the clones adapting to being cleon versus how much like i feel as if their path is only one way and they don't even have a chance to deviate and even if they did so they would be eliminated from the equation which is basically what he shows her <laughs> he says i'm a different i'm different in a million tiny ways from my brothers and it concerns him 
he takes her into the heart of the colony room and this really this is how i know they both about to be fucked up <laughs> in some way somehow unless they truly do end up pulling a um uh, what's the what's the usual suspects <laughs> and he comes out and he's no longer the same person it's not the same correlation but you know what i mean like they're gonna pull a fast one on us and he really did change his face since all of this stuff is thrown out there that you can do because i don't know how he thinks that no one is watching this shit like how the fuck do you get the gardener past everyone into the palace into the most sacred part of the palace even with dimrazel not there and then we know that the shadow master is an actual shadow so who knows how much he's just been sitting on the side watching the shit and then whispering in dust's ear and then what does dust do about this because technically day is supposed to be the one handling this type of situation probably looking for these types of things indoctrinating him cleon the first is still preserved because they confirm he is the precipium from whence they are from whence did i say whence or where either they're all extracted he shows her that there are replacements that are sort of alive being uploaded with current events in case they are needed and he follows it up with every moment of my life is a test if i ever fail it will be my last day and his first his reason for existing is to be a perfect copy i want to break free it gives so much context to his suicide attempt because he he he's living in i mentioned it last episode a gilded cage it on the outside appears great you your supreme power no one questions you everyone's afraid of you you get to live in this luxurious life but you actually have no free will even to be even to eat your starches before your meats <laughs> can you imagine that being your life and never really able to escape it what's interesting dawn is kind of facing a certain along the same line of the thought process of dusk later on where when you're young you're trying to determine who you're going to be when you're older you have a tendency to reflect back on who you were and then what your impact is going to be your individualism seems as if they reach that point when they're dusk and they no longer have the agency anymore and then day is kind of the acceptance of that bridge but how many times has this really occurred where you have a moment in which people decide i mean i understand the backups in case something were to happen to one of them but to have copies just to replace you i think that's a really fucked up pressure to have (laughs) on any developing person that even has one thing out of line he goes oh if they notice motherfucker they noticing what kind of delusion do you think you're in that they are not i think day is pretty clearly noticing which is why he treats you the way that he does but while i want to believe this may have happened before it almost feels more poignant if it only is happening now after harry selden's predictions and it's a domino effect between the clones 
from here on out and with only dust being the the complete because he's the one that basically set it all in motion he didn't need to like his dust told him you don't need to show our strength in this moment we can actually take this hit and he still said nah fuck it i want revenge because of what harry selden said he wanted to prove he still had control in a situation that he was starting to feel powerless against which is those predictions of psychohistory in itself of course young lovers are going to discuss escaping she's got an answer for everything those nanos that can be removed your face being recognized we can change that i think that she isn't a spy i think that she is just a naive girl who uh got the attentions of tom cruise and she is his katie holmes <laughs> so she thinks that she can save him right now like oh this is actually really fucked up life that you're living and why you attempted suicide and i've got these tender feelings for you and you have them for me let's just go ahead and disappear into the scar together because a revolution of some sort is happening there but it's a it's a philosophical one which is funny that or ironic because you have day on another planet trying to annex a revolution of the mind of a sort and yet one is occurring already where he homes himself the destruction of the star bridge actually allowed people to see up and look at the sky see clouds it rain everything's not a simulation and there's a realness to that right i like that parallel you know there's the clouds and there's the simulation of the clouds and although they can look similar they're not the same the opening of a possibility to a new door a new beginning and that is what halima poses as a threat even if you take her down what he doesn't understand is someone eventually is going to take that spot because if it resonates with other people that means other people are feeling the desire as well for that change and that it also as stated is it's happening in the scar you know people are starting to see the possibilities in the chaos right okay well this is our new beginning how are we going to shape that she says it's chaotic and alive and that is life like it's not supposed to be easy it's not supposed to be without struggle or without pain or without loss otherwise it's not living and you have the empire all the clones doing exactly that and maybe in some way they're becoming more human because of it because i do still feel as if days the original his reaction was it was not necessary and it was out of anger versus the correct political maneuver and i think day right now is reacting with emotion versus logistics and then you have dawn doing the exact same thing dust finds him later on because he gives her a butterfly so that she can take it out of the palace and he can watch her as she explores the scar i was really scared that they was just going to show the shadow master just come out of nowhere and slit her throat <laughs> 
and he watches i have a feeling that this is somehow going to happen in the future anyway does find something to tell him that you missed an appointment behaviors are in it to the innate to the empire and there is nothing outside the palace of trantor as they are trantor okay grandpa gail who i completely forgot about because i was so caught up in the other arcs is back on the raven or we're back on the raven seeing harry's quantum consciousness projection he explains after she helps guide him through the trauma so that he can get past it and be in the here and now or at least his consciousness once again the the westworld vibes i'm getting uh just feeding my soul he explains he uploaded said consciousness to the chip or to a chip that was uploaded to Raish's knife that has all of his memories and thoughts up until the moment that he died although there is an incomplete upload so i'm guessing that it's going to be a problem later somewhere down the line that he wasn't fully his consciousness wasn't fully uploaded he does learn how it all went wrong because gail was supposed to be leading the quote-unquote first foundation first foundation and it's crisis not lewis who was only leader enough to get it up and running race knew all of this and knew gail was supposed to be on the ship and race was not he was supposed to actually get on this ship and then they were supposed to reunite this also puts squash to the idea maybe not in salver's mind but in mine <laughs> that harry somehow set up this idea of her zygote being on like he didn't know any of this shit he was putting a plan into place that did not involve race dying and yet it all went wrong because of gail's uh ability which we learn a little bit later and that's when he finds out race is dead and he has a little bit of a conscious breakdown the thing is when he does reappear he feels as if he became more robotic like he's still hairy but the last of his emotions kind of they were pushed to the side and it kind of reminded me of when gail was ready to commit suicide after she heard the worst of what happened to race as well and then all it took was i guess there's a plane somewhere all it took was the motion of the ship something for her to hold on to that pushed her past that moment back on evictus Sauber saves one of her men from danger after he declines to try to fight back but afterwards agrees that they should attack why not you saved my life lewis at least tried to do something when finally they they go for it and Sauber's martial art skills are so awesomely not explained but she was kicking the shit out of rowan's ass there said i wrote it down and we both know she can be farah both of their men die in the coolant but rowan stops fair from killing her i'm sorry why do you have that bow and arrow on this ship i get it's the bow of anacreon i get as a symbol you would have it with you why are you not using a regular gun like everybody else and even she seems to understand why salver is reacting the way or he does rowan as he explains they will all die on this ship so stop trying to convince me otherwise 
we've seen from the beginning that Salvar's been trying to appeal to Rowan. Like, come on, you you can't want to just want complete annihilation. Like, is this really you really this the, the 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 cross you're really wanting to die on? And I can't at all see that she's getting through to him, except in this particular scene where before it was Farah telling Rowan no we need to keep her alive and yet now it's Rowan being like no we need to keep her alive she has shown herself to be indispensable like she clearly is way smarter than all of the other people on the ship she's able to spot things sense things before they happen hint hint the whole Gale thing however there was a look between them right where he's like no i'm committed but he almost felt as if if the door opened to another possibility he would be the one whose ear would be most reasonable to to listen to it of course we already know the goal was to blow up tranter so while it was nice to hear it from the character i feel as if it was pretty pretty uh clearly laid out there on the raven harry's disappearance has shut down protocols and she got two percent of oxygen without him and i'm thinking once again back to the expanse shut the fuck up that's how you conserve oxygen you stop speaking <laughs> you breathe slowly you don't yell out for harry but i understand why she did it finally he gets his shit together and restores things back to the ship and himself in that black suit and explains that his death as suspected was necessary as the foundation needed him to be a martyr to galvanize it which reduced the death rate because she said it was going to be 37 percent actually it would have been much higher sounds like you've told me a lot of lies and you knew i was lying that's how this conversation went down so i was right um as i suspected harry can't predict individual behavior however he does understand that like loki in a sense there's the plan and then things might go off the plan and then you got to put them back on the plan you got to course correct manipulate people into certain things sure i can't predict how they will react to that not a hundred percent but there is predictive behavioring that's not you know there's always the one percent is what he's trying to say there's not to say that hey if i put this in place this in place and this in place this most likely might happen that's not determining individual behavior that is a predictive model of reactionary behavior if that makes sense what i'm saying is i get it now <laughs> it's um it's not without any interference however most for the most part like he when he says he can't predict human behavior like he doesn't know about salvor and her being the one necessary to to get them over this crisis and maybe she's not but her her path right now is what is leading things to the future conclusion for the foundation whatever that may be so I liked hearing him explain a little bit more about exactly what he was doing like yeah i was building a narrative 
you choose to believe the narrative or you don't, but I'm not directly influencing like how people reacted when they got to Trantor. But I know if I or Terminus, but if I did go to Terminus and say my mental faculty started going and things were tough, one, they're gonna blame the source of their belief. And then if I were to actually turn into a shell of myself, then they're gonna wonder if cycle history is even valid because then they can point to an old man with deteriorated mental capacity and say he's crazy so he needed a way for his legacy to move live on and that's when she makes the line of you're not a demagogue or you're not a god she also brings up the fact that you could have just allowed yourself to be killed as a martyr by the empire and then you didn't need all of this like you didn't even need to get on the ship and I'm not sure I even buy what he says when he said, I just wanted to live. That felt mm, far more selfish than Harry's ever displayed. Like he was willing to get Raish off the ship so much so that he convinced him he had to kill him. After some weeks, what changed was, because that's what Gail wants to know, the fact that Raish wasn't going to leave her. Which is why he decided he had to go a different route. Which angers her because he keeps deciding what she needs to know. And when she needs to know it. And he tells her, you're too smart to play the victim. I thought that was a very telling line. Which is true. She's just as egotistically driven as him. She wanted recognition. She could have sent it in anonymously. She wanted to be pulled from the existence that she was not fulfilling her full potential. You left a dying world. You let your parents die. <laughs> you put them in danger at least. And you wanted more. You wanted to help uh, uh, Synax, but you also wanted to be, you, choose your, you chose your own self versus choosing, um, choosing the, the moralistic high ground, so to speak. So she says, okay, we're both hypocrites. Now what? He wants to know why she was near his cabin as he knew she would never have been because he, he knows her behavior. Like you do those laps all the time, which opens up her precognition abilities just as the alarm or the discussion about them. As the alarm is going off about a debris field, she can feel the future. I love the way this was all dramatically pulled together. Like if you weren't getting it, here it is. <laughs> and it still was a really good payoff we knew who the man in black was a lot of us were starting to suspect before the reveal but it didn't make the reveal any less uh impactful so her just you know she picked up the little debris thing she's talking about how they need to be worried about it you know she seems to be instinctively moving around more so than she's actually thinking about it because he's like oh the repairs you know the ship was built to repair itself you don't need to be worried about it and then there's a hole that comes through <laughs> that she catches and that's when she finally admits to herself she can feel the future even though that does not explain why she woke up during hyperspeed sleep hyperjunk whatever i'm wondering if her mind if her if there was a split right there because she's never been off of Cinex, so and we didn't see her displaying any of those abilities beforehand she was preparing to be a seer i don't know if that has anything to do with anything but it seemed from that moment that she woke up during the jump 
that she started feeling things more on an organic level that she's just now seeming to really put together and i feel as if that was something that happened from the moment you were born you'd be a little less surprised by the revelation <laughs> had a lot more time to process it so that's my connection theory that i'm throwing out there i don't know if it's right it's probably wrong i'm not really good with theories in this show thus far but uh i i love the way this episode ended and i love where the show is going i don't think i have anything else to bring up i think we covered everything i'm sure if i forgot something we'll talk about it on the next episode but if you want to send feedback with your thoughts, blackgirlcouch at gmail.com. You can leave a comment below on this podcast. My social media will be there as well. Remember to like, share, subscribe. And until next time, peace, hair grease, and black girl magic.